0: Florida has been making a lot of headlines recently, both for the parental rights bill that critics dubbed Don't Say Gay, but also for some separate comments Governor Ron DeSantis made about a historic NCAA Swimming Championship win. The governor didn't like that a transgender woman had won, so he proclaimed his own winner. This is all part of a larger conversation happening nationwide about who is considered a woman. For many people, this goes beyond politics and media. It's personal.
1: Truthfully, a woman is is anybody who identifies with that.
0: That's Zach Worms. We'll hear more from her in a moment. But first, here's what the governor said.
2: Last year, we signed a bill uh, to ensure fairness in women's athletics. We thought it was very important that uh, young girls and women athletes in the state of Florida had the ability to work hard to realize their dreams and to compete fairly, whether it's in swimming, whether it's in uh, track and field, you name it. And that's something that was really meaningful to a lot of people in Florida, particularly people like me, who are are parents of of, of young girls.
0: The 500-meter freestyle featured University of Pennsylvania swimmer, Leah Thomas. Thomas became the first known transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I championship. And according to our sister station, 11 Alive in Atlanta, Thomas spent three seasons competing on Penn's men's swimming team before transitioning in 2019. She completed 34 months of hormone replacement therapy, surpassing the NCAA's 12-month requirement. Even so, Governor DeSantis proclaimed Tampa Bay Area native Emma Wyant the winner. Wyant finished second in the race. DeSantis wasn't having it.
2: The NCAA uh, is basically taking efforts to destroy women's athletics. They're trying to undermine the integrity of the competition, and they're crowning somebody else uh, the woman's champion, and we think that's wrong.
0: DeSantis went ahead and made the proclamation, claiming Florida recognizes Emma as the real winner of the 500-meter freestyle.
2: We need to stop allowing organizations like the NCAA to perpetuate frauds on the public. And that's exactly what they're doing. They are putting ideology ahead of opportunity for women athletes. Uh, And I think that there's just some people that are afraid to speak out um, and and, and say what they're doing, but that is what they're doing. And so in Florida, we're gonna be very clear when they try to do things like that, when they try to undermine the integrity of competition, when they try to um, counteract uh, the ability of women uh, to realize their dreams, uh, we, we are going to speak out about that. And so we'll be issuing uh, that proclamation. The
0: governor's proclamation doesn't actually change the outcome, but Zach Worms, who we mentioned earlier, says Desantis's comments could cause harm, especially for young people.
1: To have an opinion is one thing. You know, I, I don't ever mind anyone saying that that's not real or whatever they want to, to whoever they want. But for someone to be that vocal about it and to try and push it on a on a scale like that without clearly without actually knowing what the the actual what, what's happened to her body and the things going on and and it it's clear that they haven't done their research, they're just shouting their opinion. And that that at my point is where you know I think you're you're harmful. And as somebody that high up as a governor you should not be I, I feel like you should be held accountable somewhat to to doing your research and understanding what you're actually talking about before you before you say something like that. Because it's not me who's hurt, you know, it's not Leo who's hurt because it doesn't take away any of her achievements. It's not gonna stop me from doing anything that I want to do and it doesn't offend me in the slightest. But it's the people that are around him and and the youth and the people who haven't come out yet who are scared to that are just being told on a large official level that they shouldn't and that they're wrong for wanting to. And I think that that's the most detrimental thing that you can do at this point.
0: Zach is a transgender athlete herself. She came out as transgender while playing for the Tallahassee Soccer Club. She grew up competing against boys in soccer. She says any more controversy is coming from people who don't fully understand everything involved in changing genders hormonal changes she's still learning take us through this this whole process of some of the changes that one's body endures
1: um so it's it's i mean if you go talk to doctors about it the, the the best way that they put it is that it is puberty it's just like going through puberty you know your your muscles change differently the my my fat tissue store completely differently that my my muscles are literally atrophying you know, they, 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 the same way they would, if you were sitting around on a broken leg, like, but, and that's not a comfortable process to go through. Um, and, and, you know, I can't lift the same way that I could lift. Uh, I don't, I, I can't train the same way that I would train my, my body's moving into a, a female body. And so, I mean, uh, specifically i guess the best way to put it you know you you start to form buds and you grow actual breasts you know you you not large ones by any means but you start to grow them and it's it's i'm sure any girl will tell you not the most comfortable process um you start to store fat on your hips and on your legs and uh your muscle density completely drops Drastically, Uh, really the the biggest things that don't change are my voice and my, my bones, like my ribs will never shrink in or anything like that to have a slimmer waistline. But other than that, that's really the only things that don't change.
0: She says she moved around a lot. Different crowds made her feel different and feel like she didn't belong.
1: I grew up playing travel soccer pretty much most of my life. I mean, I started pretty much like everybody else. I played rec ball, baseball and soccer most of the time, uh, and till I, I got a little bit older and I was smaller, so soccer always seemed like the best fit. And so I, I went with soccer and I fell in love with the sport right out of the gate for the most part. I started playing uh, travel ball in Hawaii. My dad was military, actually, so we, we grew up all over the place. So everywhere I went, I kind of had to change travel ball teams. Um, And it was something where I always felt a little bit different, to be completely honest with you. Like I never felt like I was the same or one of the guys with everybody else, no matter where I went. But I think a large part of me thought that that was just because I was moving from place to place. um, Right, right. Until I started to really get settled in different places. and, And, you know, I, I, played, whenever we moved here, my junior year of high school. Um, I, I started to play, we, we played club ball a lot, um, fairly high level club soccer here, and then um, ended up playing college as well. And it was something that I don't think, I, I think really starting to get into locker rooms on a more regular basis like that is really one of the things that, I, where I started to feel super uncomfortable. Um, I played college at Southern Poly, um, which is now not a school. It's part of Kennesaw state now up in Atlanta, no, but it I've was, a- I
0: used to live in Kennesaw when I, when I lived there. In- okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, and I was supposed to go there for architecture and really I just wanted to play soccer. That's all I wanted to do. So I, I, I tried, um, I played a, as much as I could until they basically asked me for a grade report. And I had already kind of talked with a couple of different pro teams. And so I did a couple of trials after that. Um, and it just – I I'd never really had that confidence. I always felt really out of place and uncomfortable. Um, and it's like if I wasn't – anytime I was fairly comfortable, I played really, really well. I, I did. I, I've always – it. But I, I, I once I'd get set in a place like that, I just never felt comfortable with anybody. I never felt like part of the guys. And so it, it really affected me in the way that I played. But I never really understood why at that point because I never really had to there, – there weren't a whole lot of trans examples. You know, we didn't really get to see that this was an option. Um, and so I, I stopped I, – I actually stopped playing for quite a while. I, I – Um, started working back what I kind of did beforehand with restaurant jobs and everything like that, ended up getting a bank job, um, and getting married. We had a son and my then wife at the time is the one who kind of pushed me back into it and was like, you're starting to coach this, you know, why don't you get back out and play? And so I started playing and and traveling to play different with different high-level amateur teams and then I got uh, a couple years ago I I ended up signing with a semi-pro team in Tallahassee with Tallahassee Soccer Club Um, and then I blew my knee out I I ACL MCL meniscus my patellar tendon yeah it was yeah it was a bad one um and so that was kind of one of my first real big, you know, do you really want to do this moments? And and I did, you know, I, I decided to do that. Um, and then rehabbing into the next season, I was trying to push myself to get ready to go. And it didn't happen because COVID hit. Um, and so I you know, was kind of stuck around trying to train by myself a little bit. We were isolated. And within that isolation, I think I confronted my own gender identity and and started to kind of look at myself a lot more. And that's when I originally came out to my wife, actually.
0: She mentioned her wife. Well, they're now divorced. Still good friends, though. They co-parent. And she's learning to navigate womanhood with her ex-wife's support. What was that like? Um, coming out of the closet to your wife?
1: Um, yeah, that was a very different situation. Um, which, and she, she, uh, she noticed things as well. Like she, she, we, we talked about things, and and it was it wasn't something that like, you know, super super shock um, as far as like. The possibilities of it um but obviously that you know we we had a very deep talk where i i talked about it how how i started wanted to start presenting more feminine and kind of experience this and and try it and see what i thought about it and um i think we and she was very accepting Uh, she was taken aback and i think we we both had a very honest moment where we you know understood that it's not necessarily, you know, fair for me to expect her to stay through anything like that, but she's still one of my best friends in the world. Like we, we we're still really close because she honestly helped me learn a lot about myself and about being a woman, and, and that whole process, and it, it was really helpful. But it was it was definitely a stressful time for sure.
0: And you all <laughs> co-parenting.
1: Yes, we're co-parenting right now. We have a two-year-old son. Uh, his name's Finnegan, and he's awesome. He's a ball of energy for sure. What does Finnegan make of this? Um, well, he's not quite there yet, uh, as far as as far as communicating and and where we could actually like explain the whole thing. He he doesn't really get bothered by anything because obviously, like I I wear makeup and 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 dress in women's clothes, and he doesn't really seem to be off put or taken aback by anything at all, really. Cause I mean, he's just not at the point where he could react or understand what's going on with it. Um, there are going to be certain things that I let him decide for sure. Like I consider myself a mom, but if he doesn't necessarily want to call me mom, I'll probably allow him to make that decision and, and get comfortable with things if it requires that. But he's, such a smart kid and such a loving kid that I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem. You mentioned comfort. Uh, you never felt comfortable
0: um, prior to transitioning. Do you feel
1: comfortable yeah. now? Um, I'm feeling more comfortable than I ever have, I think is the best way to to put that. I don't know that there's ever a hundred percent comfortable because I think too much comfort and you stop growing. You know, I, I don't ever want to be super comfortable, but but with who I am, as a person, I'm 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 growing more confident by the day. Uh, it's it's because my body's becoming what I always always wanted it to be.
0: That led me to this question.
1: I wanted to ask you, what
0: what defines a
1: woman? The, uh, you know, I, I think that's the 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 uh, a woman is a state of mind. I think if you really do the research behind a woman or even a trans woman there are certain things even within the brain chemically the the thought process things like that but but truthfully a woman is is anybody who identifies with that and and that's i i don't necessarily think that there should be some sort of giant gatekeeping of what is or what isn't i think it should just be you know especially within a social setting if you want to be a woman anyone can be a woman
0: Last summer, Governor DeSantis signed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. The law says female student-athletes must provide birth certificates, listing them as girls at birth in order to participate in school sports designated for women. It will also allow other students to sue schools that ignore the legislation and allow transgender women or girls to play on designated women's teams anyway. That legislation has been challenged in court and transgender rights advocates have vowed to keep pushing forward. For now, though, thank you so much for listening in, and until next time, you have a good one.